Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. In the, in the wonderful, crazy world of the World Wide Web, <laughs> um, people from all over the nation, all over uh, Canada, um, people in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Austria, Norway, listen in on what we do here. So that's such a cool uh, honor and blessing. And so um, if, if you're listening to this, uh, wherever you are, whenever you listen to this, if you were here today, we would shake your hand and just say that we're so glad that you're here. And so, um, yeah, I just want to welcome all of you here this morning. We are in a series called The Father's Blessing, and uh, this is the last week of the series. And we're going to end um, this time together with something unique and special where I, I want to just sort of maybe cement something down into our hearts um, together. And so I'm excited about a, a ministry time that we're going to do at the end of the service. Um, but I want to just start with a question. Have you ever felt like you just don't belong or like you just don't fit in? I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. Like, I just don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I fit in. I, uh, I was thinking, you know, you always start sermons with great stories. And so I was racking my brain thinking, I need a great story. So here's what I did. I asked my wife, who knows me better than anyone, hey, I'm trying to think of a time when I felt like I didn't fit in, like I didn't belong. I know there have been so many times in my life where that's happened, but can you think of anything? And so she's like, hmm, she thinks for a minute. And here's what she says. Have you ever been to like a gym around like really muscular people and you didn't feel like you fit in? <laughs> I didn't know how to receive that. And you're laughing, so... Maybe the, the Lord's trying to tell me something here, but um, apparently I should feel out of place at a gym, according to my wife, um, which was awesome. But you know, uh, there are times in life where you step into a situation, uh, for me as a pastor, sometimes I get invited into situations, different groups of people that I probably would never, ever have a, a chance to interact with. And every now and then, you step into a, a scenario where you just feel like you don't belong. I love people. I love connecting with people. And even me, in, in, in extroverted powers, cannot overcome some situations where you try so hard, but there's just, you feel like you don't fit in. I think there's something universal for us uh, across um, humanity that there are just moments where we have the sense that we don't belong. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. You know, we, we started this series with this idea of the Father's being, that is character, and how we have to make the shift from this was my earthly experience of family and father, but this is my heavenly father. This is who he is. Week two, we talked about the blessing. We talked about what it means to be blessed by a father, how it bestows identity, and it, it communicates acceptance, and it gives us approval. We talked about how we have to live from that blessing, not for it. 
It's the difference between religion and walking with Jesus in relationship. And then last week, we talked about the Father's business, that our Father is in the people business. And through the blessing of Jesus, we're brought into it. And we dream new dreams with our Father. We talked about dreaming a new dream. This week, I want to talk about belonging. Because in the Father's blessing, we actually find belonging. And I want to look at a passage together. It's Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. If you have a copy of the scriptures, want to go there and just start looking with me. We're going to have it on the screens for you as well. This is the Apostle Paul writing a book, and a book that many believe was like his, his, um, his, his best work. I mean, it's filled with theology and doctrine of the church and what does it mean to be the church and the, the family of God and the people of God. And so it's a beautiful uh, portion. In fact, if we had the time to read uh, uh, chapter 2, 1 through 10, I mean, it's just gorgeous. But we get to verse 11. He says, So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called, quote-unquote, the uncircumcised by those called, quote-unquote, the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. Verse 16, he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone." In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. So, Apostle Paul is, is expounding this rich portion of scripture that is full of theology and doctrine and, and we won't get to all of it but there's four metaphors that he uses kind of in rapid fire succession I don't even know if you caught the four metaphors because he moves through them so quickly the first metaphor is one man from the two that he's taking two people and like forging them together into one the, the second is citizens the third, members of God's household. And the fourth was an actual building, like constructing a building. He just kind of goes through these so fast. But each one of them, I, I think, is important for us to grasp how it communicates belonging. And so what I want to do is just look at each metaphor and look at what does it mean for us to belong in the Father. So let's start with the first one. It says, one new man from the two. 
He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. Now, Paul starts this chapter by using some labels. Now, when it comes to feeling like you don't belong, there's nothing that will make you feel like you don't belong faster than the labels. And he uses the quotations, you, right? Talking to the Gentiles in Ephesus, you were called the uncircumcised. And he uses the quotes, by those called the circumcised. I don't know if you've ever had anyone label you before. If you're the, you were a kicker, or you were a, a, a nerd, you were the bookworm, you were the athlete, the jock, whatever the labels that we have, a lot of times that just feels like that, that boundary of kind of like you're in and you're out. You, you've been labeled. And he talks about these labels, and he talks about circumcision. Now, what is that? That was a, um, a, a law that was given to Israel on the eighth day. Their firstborn males or, or any male was, was to be circumcised on that eighth day. And that was a symbolic of a cutting away of the uncleanness. He says, look, that was in the flesh, right? That, that was all in the flesh. But this, what Jesus is doing is different and it's deeper. Then he goes on. In verse 13 and 14, and he says that Christ has torn down the dividing wall. Again, nothing makes you feel like an outsider, like you don't belong, than those walls, right? Those barriers. And he says, look, Christ has torn it down, that dividing wall, and that wall was the law. So it's like you, the uncircumcised, you Gentiles, You're not in because you're not inside of the law. And so the the Jews had their law, and that was like, that, that was their in crowd. And he says, look, Jesus has torn it down by fulfilling the law. He's he's the perfect one who's fulfilled it so that he could tear down this dividing wall in the flesh. Here's the point I want to make. We're no longer divided. We're no longer divided. No matter where you've come from or what you've done or what your label has been, Jesus makes us one in unity. We may be from different countries, different cultures, speaking different languages, but in Christ we are one. And the gospel is the only banner big enough for every nation, tribe, and tongue. It's a beautiful thing. Last Sunday, we had our intro class, and I just had everyone share, okay, now tell me where you're from, you know, where, where were you born? And it was so cool to see, even within our church, people from all over the world coming under one banner, Jesus. And we are no longer divided. We're no longer divided. In verse 17, he he expounds even more. He says, he came and proclaimed um, the good news, the gospel of peace to you who were far away, the Gentiles, and peace to you who were near. So imagine this. Imagine I have this massive target on the stage, like just 
huge, and in the middle, there's like this six-inch round dot, and that's the bullseye. And if you hit the bullseye, jackpot, right? You win. Some of you, you're not great throwers, okay? Let's be honest. You're you're not a great thrower. If I were to give you like a a big dart and you were to throw it at this massive uh, target, you might hit the wall or, or the screen over here or the speaker, right? You're just not a great thrower. That's okay. You were far away. Some of you, you're pretty good. And if I gave you a dart and you threw it up here, you would get probably really, really close. But here's the thing. If you don't hit the jackpot, if you don't hit the bullseye, there's no reward. Here's what he's saying. Jesus came and preached, proclaimed this gospel of peace to those of you who were far away, who were like, God, law, who cares? We don't even know what that is. Some of you, you lived that way, right? You lived like, whatever, I don't care, I don't care about God. You were far away, and some of you, you were near. You had the law. You tried so hard, but neither one of you were able to hit the bullseye. So God, in his mercy, sends himself in the form of his son Jesus, and he hits the target perfectly for you and for us, so that to those who are far away and to those who are near, he could say, you can come in. And in doing that, he topples down the dividing wall. He makes one new man out of the two. We're united. We are one in Christ. And there's level ground at the cross of Jesus Every single one of us must humble ourselves there. In Christ, we're no longer divided and we can drop the labels. That's the first metaphor. The second metaphor that he uses is the metaphor of citizens. We find it in verse 19. He says this, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. Now, some of you you, you, you are from another country and you've been through the process of becoming a citizen or you're in the middle of that process of becoming a citizen. So you know all about this metaphor. You know what that means. A foreigner or a stranger does not have uh, all the rights and privileges of a citizen of the kingdom, Right? And you're here maybe on a visa, you're allowed in for a certain amount of time or for a certain purpose, and then whenever that's up, you have to go back, right? There's there's a, a, a way that we have a system of citizenship. And Paul's making a point, he says, look, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. It's not like you don't belong here anymore. You right? You are citizens. And citizens, they have the full rights and privileges and protections of the kingdom. You belong here. You're a citizen of the kingdom through Christ. Here's my point. We're no longer outsiders. You're no longer an outsider. 
If, if you've ever felt like, I don't fit with God, I don't belong here, I, I wanna tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, you are no longer an outsider. You've been called a citizen of heaven. You have the full rights and privileges and protections of the king of the kingdom. He says that we have it with all the saints, full access, no fear of ever being removed. We're no longer outsiders. Jesus has done this for us, but I think that where we struggle is oftentimes doing this for other people. Here's what I mean. I have three children, and two of them are in school here, and one is in middle school. And even at a young age, I have experienced what I call the friend barrier. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? The friend barrier? You, you may have felt this before. Um, I, I see this with my, my young ones, and I'll ask them about their school and class and all of their classmates, and then I hear about who their friend is. And if you know those days, for example, like Herman here, if, if Herman and I were both um, you know, students here at Jane Long in second grade, and I would say, Herman, you're my friend, right? We're friends? You're my best friend, Herman. You're, you're my, today at recess, would you like to play Pokemon with me, best friend? Because you're my friend, right? No, don't invite them. We're not friends with them. You and I are friends. We're best friends. Herman, don't tell them about Pokemon later because we're going to play that together. Or the other people come in and you feel like they're kind of shooing everyone away. Like, this is my friend, my friend, my friend. Now, here's what I want to say. There's nothing wrong with having great friends. But there's like a territorialness that's like, Mine. Have you ever felt that before? Yeah? Right? Now, that starts when we're very young, but you adults know that that doesn't end. That doesn't, like, you think, oh, that's high school stuff, right? We, we stopped that in high school. No. Go into a workplace and just watch what happens. People, we have this territorialness with our friends. You're my friend. You're my best friend. And there's an unhealthiness that happens when we latch on to people and we create friend barriers, because here's the thing. If you don't have the Father's blessing where you find your identity and your acceptance and your approval from a heavenly Father who loves you, you're going to start trying to pull that out of other people. And you're going to start doing wacky stuff, like saying, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, because you're desperate for blessing. And so to say that we're no longer outsiders means that we posture our lives in such a way that we say we're not outsiders, we're insiders, we're in the kingdom, we're full citizens, and here's the deal, we want everyone to feel the same way that we feel, right? The friend barrier. You know, it feels like a blessing, and then you realize it's a curse. Some of you, you probably have been hurt by that. You've had people that were your friends. People that seemed like they were with you, they loved you, they, they always wanted to be around you, and then all of a sudden, it stopped. 
they, they weren't your friend anymore. They, they found a new best friend or you figured out that they were using you because it was advantageous for them to be friends with you for that period of time. Some of you, you you've had that, that baggage and you carry it around with you and you come into places like the church and you say, it's a bunch of cliques in there. Right? They, they all have their little groups already and here we are on the outside and, and nobody's going to allow us in. I just wanna say, church, let's not be that. Let's live from the Father's blessing because being on the inside with God frees us from finding identity, acceptance, and approval from being on the inside with people. We're no longer outsiders, which means we can drop the barriers. We can drop the barriers. Paul uses an, another metaphor, the third one, that we're members of God's household. Now, um, I know some of you are probably like me. Whenever we're going to go into someone's house, we, um, we kind of lecture our kids. And here's what we say, in effect, here's what we're saying. Don't act like you do at home, Right? Like, don't put your feet on the furniture. Don't jump on the couch. Uh, don't go digging in their pantry. No burping at the table, right? We want you to act not like you do at home, but like better than that. <laughs> Which means we're not at ease when we're in other people's homes. In fact, we might even warn our kids. If they say, make yourself at home, don't believe them. Don't do it. You're a visitor. You're a visitor. But when you're in your own house, you're at ease. You feel freedom. You kick your shoes off. Put your feet on the coffee table. That's how we do it at our house. You dig through the pantry whenever you want to, right? Because you're at home. Paul uses the word oikos, which means household or family. What he's saying is this. You're members of the family, this is your house now. You are a son or a daughter of the house, which means you can be at ease in the kingdom of God, amongst the church, amongst the people of God. This is your house. My third point, we belong to the Father's family. We belong to the Father's family. Paul, in the next verses, goes on to say that we're being put together, we're being built together, and he's using this word together over and over again. I think it's a key word that he's saying, look, hey, this is not optional. Church life is not optional. It's not like, you know, I received Jesus and now I'm, I'm forgiven, but church, eh, not for me. He's like, no, no, you're missing the point. What did Jesus come to do? He came to build us together, to build a church and you're members of his household. One of the first signs of spiritual decline is when we start disconnecting from the body of Christ. Just watch, watch people. They disconnect from the body of Christ, and I, I guarantee you in five years, go talk to that person, you're gonna find someone who's been totally changed because they've stepped away from God's intended place for them, their home, their family. We belong to the Father's family, which means we can be at ease. And the last metaphor Paul uses 
a building. Some of you are builders, you're in construction, you know all about building. He, he uses this in verses 21 and 22. Read this with me. It says, in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. My point is this. We belong to a special family for a special purpose. Now, Casey and I, we, um, we have remodeled several houses because we're crazy people, and we think that that's fun. It's not fun. It's terrible. We've lived in terrible situations. We've ripped all the floors out and had our kids just, you know, sleeping on mats and dust all over them in the morning. It's just terrible. You don't do what we do, but we've done this several times. And I've learned about construction, kind of the hard way. And I know that whenever you build something, like he says there's a foundation that's already laid. The apostles and prophets have laid it. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. But then there's all these things that are being built into this dwelling. You know that there's wood and there's wires and there's pipes and there's sheetrock and bricks and all kinds of stuff that go in to making a home. And because I've remodeled homes, there have been uh, large portions of time where I've ripped out pieces of wall. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Like you're busy and so you, you, you start a project on the weekend and you rip the piece of sheetrock out and then like two years later, you're like, man, we should really fix that. Like we, we've got to like, we need to sell the house. Like it's time to like patch the, the wall and it makes me crazy. Like I walk around my house and I see all these unfinished projects. I'm like, ugh. And see, if I went into your house and I ripped a piece of sheetrock out of your living room, it would drive you nuts, right? But think about this. You're being built together. God's building something, and you have a special purpose in that. Some of you are a piece of sheetrock. <laughs> Some of you are a bathtub. And when you're missing it makes us nuts. We're crazy. Like, there's, there's supposed to be something here. And God's building in the local church something for a special purpose. You have a special purpose in the kingdom of God. And it's not my purpose. It's yours. It's not your spouse's purpose. It's yours. He's given you a special purpose. But there's something even bigger that I think he wants us to see because he uses this word for God's dwelling. Now, if your translation of the scripture might say habitation, like God's building this place, but there's, there's even a higher purpose than us finding our purpose. Because let's be honest, we have gifts and abilities and we can find purpose in, in our HOA and, and in our PTA and in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. Like there are places where we can go and do special things. But none of those things are being built together for God's dwelling, for God's habitation. The church is the only gathering, only organization of people that God's building for the special purpose of his habitation, his presence. I uh, grew up, I told you this story before, going to my grandparents' house almost every day after school, and so it was a special place for me. And uh, years ago in college, um, they passed away. And, you know, Austin is such a hot housing market where they, where they lived. And so an investor bought the home and, like, changed everything, put, like, this crazy orange door on the It was just terrible looking, right? 
And I remember driving past because I wanted to kind of reminisce about the home where I went and would spend special times with. And when I drove past, it wasn't the same. Same house, same walls, same bricks. It was all the same. But what made it special was their presence. That's what made the home special. And what makes the church such a special and unique place is not necessarily that we're all here. That is special, but there's something even more. Our Father is present in the church. He's building something to inhabit, to dwell within. We belong to a special family for a special purpose. You have a special purpose, but our Father has a special purpose for us. Because in this family, we behold his presence. We behold his presence here in the body of Christ. So, friends, we're no longer divided. We can drop the labels. We're no longer outsiders. We can drop the barriers. We belong to the Father's family. We can be at ease. And we belong to a special family for a special purpose, which means that we can behold his presence. See, without Jesus, we're all outsiders, aren't we? That's what Paul said. You were far away. You were foreigners, you were strangers, you were aliens. Without Jesus, we're all outsiders. Some of us were really far away. (laughs) Some of us were close, but none of us were in. And Jesus has come to bring us in, to say to us, you belong here. His cross has become our peace, level ground where we must all humble ourselves. His resurrection has become our hope. New birth into a new family where we fully and finally fit. The family we were made for, where we are at ease, the place where the Father dwells. So perhaps today someone needs to come in. And Jesus is here to do that. This uh, past week, we... um, we did something a little bit different with our house church. In light of the Father's Blessing series, we um, gave affirmations to the people that are in our house church. And so I asked them, hey, tell me, you know, in light of this series, like what's been stirring you and tell me about family life. Like what's that been like for you? And it was really cool to hear all the differences of stories of, of how their family life was, how Father was, and if he was there, if he was not there, and what that was like. And I made the point that sometimes uh, God uses spiritual family to fill gaps of our earthly families. That, that when we're born into this kingdom, we come into the family, that God uses us to fill gaps that are left by earthly families. You know, Jesus, there's a story of him where he was um, beginning to minister. Crowds were coming and his mom and his brothers were trying to get to him. And the people were saying, look, hey, they're outside. Your, your mom and brothers are here. And Jesus makes this statement. 
He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Now that sounds like a really like rude thing to say to your family, which by the way, Jesus took really good care of his family. But he was making a statement about true relationships. That when we're born into the family, that there's another level of relationship that God has for us where we begin to fill the gaps for one another. Today, we want to stand in the gap for you. As the church family, we want to stand in the gap for you. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to close here in just a moment. We're going to have a ministry time. And I've asked some of our leaders to stand along the sides. And um, we have anointing oil. And we want to anoint you with oil and to pray a blessing on you. Now, some of you just freaked out because I said anointing oil and you grew up Baptist. Okay, let me just set you at ease. It's going to be okay. All throughout the scriptures, it talks about anointing with oil. And James, he tells them, like, if any one of you is sick, let him go to the elders. They will anoint you with oil and pray for you. It's all over the scriptures and it's symbolic, okay? Symbolic of blessing. We want to symbolically bless you and we want to pray a blessing over you this morning. And so um, as Jason and the team come forward, we're going to begin to do that here in just a few moments. Psalm 23, the famous psalm, he says this in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.